It's time for the Brotherly Love Podcast. Keeping it real on the Philly sports scene since 2014. If anybody in their right mind is worried about Jalen Brunson translating the next level, then they didn't watch him play. I believe their team is destiny, man. I really do not think that they're going to be denied. Whether it's the fight builds, the birds, the fly guys, the process, or a national headline, these two beauties are talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. Here's your host, Joe O'Donnell. Stop feeding John me to car bombs. Run the ball, control the clock, don't do anything stupid. And John Mita. Kids out there, make sure you practice your free throws. Dear God, give me an interview with the Eagles scouting department. I know I can do better. What is good, SoundCloud, iTunes, yeah, yeah. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Joe O'Donnell, John Mita, get this guy an interview with the Eagles front office. <laughs> Johnny Mita, what's up, brother? Soon. Sooner than later, that's for sure. I know I would have picked someone better than John L. Pumphrey. Oh, no, anyway. come on. Come on now, Johnny Mita. You were on the Pumphrey train when they made that selection. Not in the least bit. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. He got, is he getting cut? Does he make the team? Course. Did I miss it? Did I miss it? Did he get cut today? (laughs) Not yet. Not yet. But uh, he can't play in a preseason game. So you know what that happens when you're not available. You're unavailable. I mean, he'll be on his way to the airport. Yeah. Yeah. Hardly knew you. Don't let the door hit you. Uh, Welcome in, everybody. The Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. Joe Donald, John Mita. Follow us on Twitter at Belove Podcast. At Belove Podcast. Lot to dive into. On this fine episode, number 118, if I'm not mistaken, just in case you're scoring at home. Uh, we're going to talk some fighting fills. Do they have enough gas in the tank to hang on in this pennant race? We're going to talk the Philadelphia world champion, Eagles, because why not? It's football season, and we've got it on the fly for you as well. So buckle up. Thanks for tuning in. Spread the love and support. SoundCloud and iTunes, always much appreciated. Johnny Mita, what's new in your world? Anything? Well, it, it, there's really nothing new in my world, but naturally, Urban Meyer got suspended for three games. So, oh, he did today Ohio, this afternoon. Uh, huh? Oh yeah, uh, big news. You know, hopefully they can beat Valparaiso, Bowling Green, and uh, Florida A&M this year. Three games. North, you know, the cupcakes they play early on. North, such, such a such a tough suspension form, but what a joke. Anyway, Northeast but, West South University. That's who they have right. week one. I mean, I looked at it. I mean, they're playing Oregon State, and there's other, some other cupcake. And then TCU would be a difficult game, but all winnable games. But, you know, what a joke. What a joke. Hey, man, college, college sports, man. It's greasy. It's dirty. It's got uh... – it, it is. It is so greasy and dirty. Although they did – I do like how the NCAA made a change. I don't know if people know about this. It's like if you're like an elite prospect, you can hire an agent with the ability – and they're also giving people the ability to go back to school a little easier than before. Just because so many times these guys get told wrong information like, yeah, you're going to be guaranteed first rounder and it doesn't work out for them. And then next thing you know, they're stuck like Chuck and they lose their eligibility and then they can't go back to school and you know, try to sharpen their their skill set to the next level. So Yeah, not their education, like right? Just their skill set, right? I mean, hey. 
Cares about well, education. I mean, Keep the books closed. Hit the gym, kid. Education is the Coleman College Sports Show. Let's face it. <laughs> Obviously not. Listen, uh, I've always, no. I've said this to you. I've, I've said this to anyone that that has asked or will listen, for that matter. But you know, I don't understand why you just don't go with essentially the the college, uh, the baseball approach or the hockey approach, where a guy gets drafted and then he's part of the process. He's part of the system. You know, Aaron Nola. Coming out of LSU, Phillies fans knew, you know, that they were getting a kid that was going to be part of the system. Um, and then you have, in hockey, you could draft a kid, Carter Hart. Flyers fans are following the Western Hockey League and the gaudy numbers that kid's putting up. Now, you have to sign them at some point, but at least you know they're they're, they're your property, pending you don't screw it up down the line and you get the kid into a professional contract. But at least you draft them young. And then, you know, you can keep an eye on them. You can send your player development people out to meet with them from time to time. You entrust the coaches at the junior level to, to um, you know, to, to watch over them and to develop them in the pros. And I know that's different at the college game because you can't pay college athletes and you have to be careful of all that stuff. But, you know, hockey has taken an approach with the junior leagues where you can draft a kid or they go back to Europe and, and you just know that you've got a timetable in which they've got to turn pro and you get to sign them. And I don't, I don't understand why other sports can't at least adopt something similar to that. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you there. Absolutely. I mean, there's got to be – the problem is that when there's so much money involved, that, that's just a huge issue here. But I think there's just more communication by both sides needs to take place. I mean, and, and that seems to be the problem. And another national story too, Joe, real quick, before we dive into all the, the silly topics is – I don't know if you saw this, but ESPN, they're not going to telecast uh, the national anthem. Right. So, remember, we were discussing about the, you know, what do you do to, like, stop? And, you know, the ratings have taken a hit. People have stopped watching the game because some of these protests. And now the network said, we're not going to reduce ratings because they've been hit so hard. We're not just going to show it. And then I guess either, I forget, another network, it might be CBS, but also has come on board saying that they'll only show it during you know, special, special events. So that's another interesting thing going on as well in the, in the worldwide of sports here. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's actually stay with the NFL. Cause I know you were, you were, you're pretty hacked off. We got done our last podcast there in Stone Harbor and we got done in like two minutes later. You're like, God, we forgot to talk about the helmet rule. So the NFL is trying to change the way players tackle, change the way players hit. Um, I know you're not a big fan of it because you're a defensive-minded guy when it comes to the pigskin. You love the physical players, Seth Joyner, Brian Dawkins, two of your all-time favorites. So what do you make of this new NFL rule as far as lowering the helmet is going to get you 15 yards now? And there's a couple things to look at. First and foremost, let me just state right now, right here, right on this podcast, okay? I'm totally in favor of making it a safer game. So I'm totally in favor. When people, when players use their helmets, the crown of the helmet, and they make contact with other people's helmets or other, or they use it, you know, as a weapon on other people, you know, different parts of the body, someone's knee. Listen, I get all that. The problem is that some of these hits look, just because they look too strong, even though they're actually clean hits with the shoulder or with some of the body and not specifically the head, Flags are still being called. Case in point, where the NFL came in the Eagles training camp, they were talking about the Malcolm Jenkins hit 
on Brandon Cooks that knocked him out of the Super Bowl. And one ref said that that would probably be called as an illegal hit this year. And then another ref said that, no, that would be a clean hit. There is so much gray area. It's too vague. And I just want to look at some of the things. Like, let's just look at the negatives and the positives for this new homer. The negative is there's going to be too many flags. It's going to make the game longer. It's going to matter. You're going to have so many more unnecessary penalty calls. It's going to interrupt the flow of the game. It's going to be hard for the players to change habits because they've been playing this sort of way for so many years. The other thing is it's going to lead to more significant leg injuries. And if you would pull any type of player, they'll tell you. They would say, I would rather be hit in the head rather than in the leagues and shred one of their legs. Let's look at the positives of the rule. You know, it could possibly maybe limit some of the head injuries. The NFL gets to cover their ass because they've hit behind the fact that some of these concussions, that now they, all the research and all the stuff that has come out, it was such a joke when they were just, you know, basically taking for granted the player safety. I do like the fact that have the concussion protocol in place where they have an independent doctor, both from the teams, specifically hired by the NFL to take a look at these players. The problem with the rule is that it's just too vague and everyone is so confused by what is legal and what is not legal. I think this should have been in collaboration with the players. Again, it's another thing where both sides should have come together. Now, I know when it comes to there's a rules committee and then the owners and then they go through a voting process. However, if they were talking about making such a significant rule change that this could change the game for the next 10 years moving forward, there should have been some collaboration by both sides. Case in point, look at a sport like, like look, at, look at what hockey did, right, for the overtime rule. You've been in the minor league hockey world game for a long time, Joe. You're the one that brought to my attention that they're going to try this three-on-three overtime rule. So what did they do? They, tra- they tried they tried it out in the minor leagues, and then the pros finally adopted it. Yep, they I did the same thing with the shootout. The they did the same thing with the shootout really? around the lockout in the you know early 2000s was use the AHL, the minor league system, as a guinea pig. Right, right. And listen, I know players are going to be able to adapt to this new rule. And the old cliche term is don't hit what you can't see. And I get all that. I just think they're going to take some of the cleaner shots out of the game and then because people are not going to want to do the, the refs aren't going to want to be criticized and then they're just going to throw a flag. Um, so, so that, that's, that's just disappointing. Um, listen, I'm all in favor of player safety. I get it. I just think that if you're going to make a rule, you have to make a rule that there is no gray area. Look at another rule that there was just so much gray area and over the last three years in the NFL, there's been so many controversial calls. And one of that rule would be, you know, what is a catch and not a catch? You have to control it all the way through the ground. And people said the catch rule changed in the Super Bowl. I'm just saying they need to make it a little more specific. And the one thing is, like, just do it in a trial basis. So if there was a way to, like, just try it out in the preseason and then just get the collaboration from both sides with the players, the rule committees, and the owners, get everyone together – and then that's how you make the game safer. So that's kind of my stance on that. The rule, just so everyone's clear here on the Brotherly Love podcast, the NFL rulebook now states, this was approved in March uh, by the owners, quote, it is a foul if a player lowers his head to initiate and make contact with his helmet against an opponent, end quote. The wording there, this is from an ESPN article, does not specify the degree of contact required, and it limits the use of replay 
to reviewing ejections as a result of the rule. Now, so far in the preseason, 51 times in 33 preseason games, so about one and a half times per game, this has been getting called. So round up two calls per game on these lowering the helmet hits. All right, and I, and I hear what you're saying, slowing the game down, confusing the fans, confusing the players, but trying to make it safer. There's obviously two sides to this coin. But I would say this, why not just make it reviewable? For instance, Malcolm Jenkins hammers Brandon Cooks in the Super Bowl, the flag is thrown, Patriots get a first down, Doug Peterson has the ability to challenge the call, similar to a catch, non-catch, a fumble, non-fumble, you know, out of bounds, not out of bounds, quarterback was not sacked, whatever. Make it reviewable. And I know that'll slow the game down maybe a couple of minutes per game, but at this rate, wouldn't you rather get it right? Because the NFL has already said, according to ESPN's Dan Graziano, that 11 of the 51 calls made so far in the preseason were erroneous. So if you're screwing up a third of them or a fourth of them or whatever the the numbers are going to be over the long term, why not give each team the ability to challenge them? And I know we're not trying to slow the game down. I know we're not trying to make it more confusing. But if you're going to put a new rule that's going to take some time for everybody to adjust and the officials and the officials to adjust and get it right, why not make it reviewable? That, that's my take on the whole thing. And uh, just uh, another thing to look at, too, is let's look at goal line situations, right? So Oh, yeah, another, exactly. I mean, that's uh, all you do term, with the goal right? line is you right? get low and you... So here's the deal, right? Right, exactly. What is the term? The term is low man always wins. So whoever gets lower than one another in the offensive line or the defense line, that, that's who's, who's going to win that battle. Look at a running back plunging in at the goal line. If he runs straight up like a giraffe, he's going to get tattooed. He's going to get taken out. The minute he lowers his pad level, which ultimately, scientifically, will also bring his head down. I mean, what are you going to call? What happens if both players you know, lower at the same time. Is, is that offsetting penalties? So like I said before, it's like there's so much gray area, so much that needs to be discussed. I think over time it's going to work itself out. But, you know, I just think that it just could have been done in a better fashion. That's all I'm saying. I think communication's key. Everybody wants to make this the greatest game in the world. So all sides need to come together, you know, give their say, give their viewpoints of what they think. It's a good way to do things and go back and forth and then come to a solution. Joe, I love your out-of-the-box situation. Like, the solution you just provided, that would be something that would totally be respected if, if they would have the ability to do that. I agree with you Yeah, there. just give the Stripes a chance to look at it afterwards. I mean, the game's played so fast. We give them a chance to review so much already. You're changing this rule. It's no different than the catch rule. And we're talking about players possibly being ejected for these penalties. So... Why not just make it reviewable? Um, all right, let's dive into the birds, my friend. 0-2 in the preseason. Are you worried at all, John Mita? Or have you panicked um, at all? I mean, we're on life support. This team's got no <laughs> shot to make any noise. I mean, the play calling's been been atrocious. So 16-0 and uh, no. or 0-16? Yeah. I don't know what Doug Pearson said the other day. He's like, man, I'm kind of superstitious. He goes, I don't mind if I'm going four in the preseason. He, he's like, I've seen teams go four and zero in the preseason, and he's absolutely right. And then they have three, and then they go three and thirteen in the season. Listen, this is all about talent evaluation, okay, and finding who we're going to be the pieces on football team. Yes, would we like to look a little more efficient? But it, this is so 
They don't game plan for one another. This is so vanilla. They're trying to see who's going to fit, who's going to be on the squad, who's going to be cut. So, no, I'm not in panic mode. Would I like to see some sustained drive? Sure. If anybody didn't think the Patriots were going to, and listen, handle the Eagles, once I found out Tom Brady was playing a half, and I would never bet against my team, but I'll tell you, I would have laid the lumber that the Patriots <laughs> wanted to hang would want to hang 50 on the Eagles yeah. after being embarrassed in and, the Super Bowl. And let's stay there for a second, all right? Talk about embarrassing. Is Belichick kidding me? Is Are, are Patriots fans, are they happy with themselves? Like, that feels like something the Eagles would do. That feels like something of, you know, the Eagles, say the Eagles had lost 41-33, to 33, all right, in, in yeah. February. Doesn't that feel like something that Eagles fans would have wanted the next year? Like, oh, we play these guys in the preseason. We got to smash them. We got to get revenge. Yeah. Like, are you – are they serious? Double, like, fake Tom, screens? Tom are you kidding he me? Listen, he threw the ball 26 yeah. times. And he hadn't done that in a, pre- he hadn't done that in a preseason game in, like, a decade. In a decade. In a decade. I mean, it was, it was laughable. I mean, I didn't yeah. – I mean, let's look at the bright spot. I mean, the one bright spot for me is I think Sheldon Gibson has has nailed down the fifth wide receiver position. Yep. He's come up big. He's done a great job off kicker turns. He was averaging 30 yards a game against the Patriots. He's been a great bright spot. He's been somebody that's been able to take the top off the defense. And with Alshon Jeffrey, you know, basically it sounds like he's going to maybe miss a little time. It's nice to know that, you know, one of their draft picks who they've developed is, is starting to come into his own a little bit. And also Nelson Aguilar is on the shelf. Matt Collins hasn't been anything special. So so he's been a, out, of, out of the two preseason games, and they have Cleveland tomorrow night, and he's been the total bright spot on offense for sure. I, look, I'm, I'm excited for the Eagles and the Browns, and I never thought I'd utter those words because – I want to watch Hard Knocks next week and just get a little bit, little taste of the birds. I haven't watched any Hard Knocks so far, but I will watch uh, next week's it. episode just to get a little taste of some Eagles talk um, and and that game. Now, let's transition. We didn't talk about discussing this, but I'm sure you saw the headline or heard the audio, but the trailer or the preview for the next Hard Knocks featuring the Browns has former Eagle Michael Kendricks uttering the words, we have more talent in this room than we did in Philly. Now, the big question is, it's like a game of Clue. What room was he in? Was he in the uh, conservatory? Was he in the uh, study? Was he in the kitchen? <laughs> was he in the linebacker maybe. room? Because I hope to God well, Michael Kendricks wasn't in the was- locker room with 90 players. <laughs> Maybe it was the interns that worked for the Browns. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I saw, I saw, so I saw it on Twitter, right? And then the comments are great. Yeah. I love the comments sometimes on social media. The first comment was, was he talking about the catering staff? Yeah, absolutely. You know, like, no question about. I mean, yeah, he couldn't I, possibly I have been talking about the entire team. But, of course, nah. HBO is going to put that out there. Social media is going to run with it and get a hard on just so more people watch the show. And 100%. And I've been watching. It's one of my favorite shows on television. It's only five episodes. If, if you haven't watched this show, it's just what a beautiful depiction of the ins and outs of the everyday. I mean, they're showing everything, Joe. They, 
there was a guy on the Browns. He got caught with a couple roach clips in his ashtray. Ah, you know, the car just came up from Florida. He had no idea who was in there. And he had no idea that there was bullets and a gun in his car. You know? Don't you love that maybe when you have no idea what's in your motor vehicle? Yeah, maybe uh, you know one of his, you know one of his homies just 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 right. forgot to tell him. Listen, man, I took the car out last week. Ah, smoked a couple roaches. Ah, so that was funny. Uh, they showed Josh Gordon arriving in the airport. He's coming back from his battle with substance abuse. But and then last night, the real funny part last night was the offensive line coach who drives a Maserati. He looks like a fat Colonel Sanders. He's an <laughs> offensive line coach. Yeah. And he says, I hate stretching. He goes, I hate stretching. We won two world wars without stretching. All those guys <laughs> did were push all those guys did were push ups, sit ups, and jumping jacks. Oh, I mean, good. he was you know, the fact that this guy drives a white Maserati, you would never think that this guy you would think he'd be in some Ford F one fifty. Now he's driving a Maserati. So and there's so there's so many funny things. That, like the one year for me was great. Is April? I don't know if they know who Vince Wilfork is, but if you look up, Arnox has like its greatest ten moments on YouTube. Vince Wilfork wears overalls. Oh yeah, he the wears, Houston I Texans mean, one. It was great. Houston Texans and cowboy boots, and he goes out and Bill O'Brien is just so shocked to see him. I mean, that was one of the greatest moments yeah. of all time. And he actually. He was actually in a field goal kicking tape uh, contest yeah, yeah. with the great U.S. women's soccer team, Carly Lloyd. So that was pretty entertaining as well. So it's a great show. I'm with you. I'd love to see. And I would love to see the Eagles do it one year. I, you know, I know that they're, they're pretty private about their business and everything else, but maybe if they get another Super Bowl ring on the board here coming up, maybe they'll just say, you know what, let's let the world in on what we do here. Hey, man, Doug Peterson's already writing books. They'll probably, they'll probably change their philosophy on hard knocks pretty soon. And, uh, and, yeah. and could you uh, imagine, could you imagine yeah. if Joe Douglas is still in the front office, you get to watch him put on his Ravens boxers every morning before he goes to work? He loves Great his Ravens call. players. So what do you um, expect? What's the what, do you, what do you expect to see in the game? What, listen, real, what are you looking real for? quick, I got I got to interject here. You mentioned the world the world wars. <laughs> we didn't stretch before winning yeah. two world wars. I I got a buddy. You think they're stretching when they're storming the beaches in Normandy. Hilarious. I got I got a buddy who has a T-shirt that says "Back to Back World War Champs." How great is that? <laughs> That's a great shirt. Who's got that shirt? Megaphone? Uh, no, me- no megaphone. No megaphone doesn't. He doesn't. Uh, he doesn't have that shirt. My boy, my boy Tuna out here. You know Tuna. Uh, um, all right. Anyway, so yeah, the back-to-back World War champs. That's great. All right, uh, let's let's get back on top. I don't I don't give a rat's you know what about the Eagles Browns game. I'm not looking forward. To it. I can't even watch the game, uh, dude. I'm in Des Moines. Unfortunately, uh, they don't, you know the preseason uh, games that they don't get they don't get aired out here unless the NFL Network. Picks NFL it up, so. Network. No, all I'm looking for, no injuries, all right? I don't want to see yeah, Foles I leave agree. the game early. Let's just get out of it clean, yeah. and let's get ready. And yeah. I, I asked you before if you were panicking, and I meant that somewhat seriously because, you know, he, he had, again, if you throw out last February, and I know that's a big if, Eagles Nation would be crapping their pants right now after two pretty average preseason games and Carson Wentz still on the shelf. So I know February changed a lot, but, you know, got to get back on the saddle and try and defend this title. Um, and I sent you that link to the Ruben Frank article where he was basically like, no need to panic, and he laid out 20 reasons why, and I couldn't agree more with any of them. But all I wanted to add to that, from my standpoint, you go back no further than late December, early January last year, where the Eagles were teetering on falling apart. 
I mean, they were underdogs at home, as we all know, to the Atlanta Falcons the opening weekend because they didn't have their starting quarterback and they looked terrible against the Raiders and even worse against the Cowboys when they played their starters. But what cured it all? We talked about it a ton. The practice, the bye week. And basically, they're going to get a bye week after this preseason game. They're going to have plenty of time to get ready for September the 6th. And to me, you know, you can look terrible all you want in the preseason. You get ready that week by installing your game plans, getting everybody on the same page. You know, everybody that was banged up is a little bit healthier, and you look like a football team opening up the season at home against the Falcons and a defending champion-type Super Bowl team against the Falcons. That's all you got to get ready for, September the 6th. So no panic here for me. All right, Johnny Mita, uh, you ready to switch to the Phils at all or no? Yeah, yeah, switch it up, right. baby. Switch it up. Stop. Fighting Phils are struggling right now. Late August, can't get out of their own way. Bullpen blowing games. Bats go quiet. Only starting pitcher that's worth a damn right now appears to be Aaron Nola. He's a god. I get it. But I was just about to anoint Nick Pavetta as a legit starter in this league after he, you know, threw great against the Red Sox. Then last time out, he couldn't get through the third inning against the Marlins, or whoever the hell they were playing. So a little panic in Phillies Nation right now. There's a lot of games left. They're still very much within striking distance, but they woke up today not in a playoff spot for the first time in, I don't know, four, five, six weeks. So how do the Phillies get it done? And your question you posed to me when we were bantering before we started is do they have enough in the tank? What do you think? Well, it's just, it's going to be difficult. And I think, the starting position is, or the starting pitching has been such a strength for this team over the course of the year. But lately, we're not really getting that type of pitching. The other thing is, defensively, this team is the worst in baseball. Yeah, it's and bad. they make so many, it's just awful. They make so many errors. It's just, I don't know if they can overcome that, especially when their bats go so anemic at times, when they can't score runs. Tonight they have seven runs on the board, but then they'll come out and then they'll just have a couple errors and then throw a game away. And it's it's just I, I don't know if they're going to have enough in the tank. You look at a team like the Braves. I mean, they have like three, four guys in the lineup that hit three hundred. We have one, and it turns out he's injured. Wilson Ramos, he hurt his wrist trying to catch a ball, so he's out of the lineup for 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 the short term or short time. So it's. I don't know. I don't know. I do know one thing is they just gotta they gotta just stay stay afloat, so to speak. They gotta be close. If they get more than like three to four games back, it could be a wrap. They have to just stay within the half game behind, one game behind, two games behind, and then hoping that they get hot. But if they go on a slump here and lose, I mean, right now they're on a big losing streak. They haven't won a lot of games out of the last ten and. If they keep that up, uh, we could be missing out on a postseason opportunity, Listen, which would be an absolute shame. Yeah, considering they they you know they've really played above. Oh and yeah, exactly. They exceeded expectations. They made it a fun summer. They've been hanging in the race for so long. It'd be more than disappointing, uh, even if it wasn't warranted. Even if they w- maybe weren't good enough this whole time, and Kapler somehow was pushing the right buttons, and they were they were getting it done. It would certainly be crushing especially if it's because they're losing to teams like the Marlins, the Reds, the Mets. Like, these teams stink. The Phillies seem to play better against better competition for whatever reason. For a long time, the Flyers did that, and it frustrated the hell out of me. Um, But you look tonight, Cubs winning in the ninth inning. 
Braves already won. You got the Rockies leading late in the game against the Padres. Cardinals and Dodgers battling it out. The Phillies right now, in my estimation, cannot, you know, the wild card, I don't think it's going to happen. They got to win the division. Because when the wild card, you've got the Cardinals are red hot. You've got the Dodgers in the mix. You've got the Rockies in the mix. You've got the Brewers in the mix. If the Brewers pass the Cubs, the Cubs enter then obviously in the mix. Just too many teams. You've got to win the division. And you got Atlanta a bunch. You got the Nats a bunch down the stretch. You got to win those division games and give yourself a chance in the middle of late September. We'll see what happens when the pressure mounts on this baseball team. There's been no pressure on the Phillies all year long because, again, they're playing above expectations. Now that the pressure is on, now that they're starting to squeeze the bats a bit, we'll see what happens. Early in the year, Herrera, Hernandez, they were kind of carrying the team. Now it's been Hoskins and. You know, pick your poison, really, as far as who else is going to show up on a nightly basis. Nick Williams. But you, you're not getting enough consistency from that lineup. And that's the frustrating part, is that you've got nothing from Kingery, really, all year. Like we talked about a couple podcasts back. You've got nothing from J.P. Crawford, really, all season long. Now you've added Bohr, Cabrera, Ramos. Can you get enough from them down the stretch? Roman Quinn adding some energy and some speed to the lineup. But overall, the lineup too slow defensively, too many mistakes, and the pitching now starting to show some warts. It's going to be a battle right down the line. I agree with you 100%, Johnny Mita. Can they hang on? That'll be the big question to watch over the next few weeks of the season. All right, lastly, on the fly, you said you had an absolute gem for me, so let me start. All right, let me start. John Mita, you are the owner of a major sports franchise, okay? You can choose the franchise. It cannot be based in Philadelphia. Who are you owning and why? That's a great question. I think I'm going to own the San Antonio Spurs. Wow. And the, oh, yeah, I know. It's very off the cuff. It's in a, uh, a smaller market. Listen, as a kid, I was a huge David Robinson fan. He was my favorite basketball player and still is of all time. I love the way the organization has done things for so many years. They've been very profitable. Um, they have a great fan base, and they know what the hell they're doing down there. They, for, for being in a small market, they've got it done for so many years. I mean, they've won a ton of championships with a small market team, and that is very hard to do. So wow. I would say the San Antonio Spurs. Good great job, question. brother. I like that. I like that because, you know what, I know some people with Spurs sports. They do run a great ship. And uh, you'd have fun on the river walk. So I like that. I like that answer a lot. I personally, as I was thinking about what you might say, I was thinking, and this sounds like blasphemy, so let me finish the sentence. But I'm thinking I would own the Dallas Cowboys. And here's why. I would then immediately move them to Kazakhstan or Afghanistan or Bolivia and then basically sell them to some locals. Good Good luck in the Bolivian Football League. Suck it. That's amazing. That is amazing. <laughs> that is so well done. I can't even, I don't even know how to react any, to that one. Any final right, thoughts? I comes up. So I was, at the, I was at the Phillies Red Sox game about last week, uh, either last Tuesday, um, yeah, about a week ago, um, with my two cousins who you know, Houston Mike, and we were yeah. talking about, you know, when people enter, enter the batter's box, what music would you play? Which I thought was just a fantastic question. So, if I'm batting heading up to home plate, then what music would I want to play? And everyone knows Chase Utley, you know, he comes up to Cashman. Yeah, so exactly. my question yeah. for you, Joe, yeah. 
And what music would you come up to the plate in? Is it a 311 jam or what? Well, what are we coming up to the plate in? You know and what? then I'll tell you mine. You know what? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked it. I was going to close the show with regulators, so we might as well just mound up. Yeah. Little Warren G and Nate Dog. I'd have, I'd have no problem with little Warren G and Nate Dog. What do you got? I, I can't even deal with this right now. So, for me, it would be People of the Sun by Rage Against the Machine. So, nice. dial some of that up, my friend. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, so, I don't really know. Let me see if yeah. I can search that. Oh, uh, yeah. You got to play that show. I mean, people need, the people need to hear. When I said the people, All right, the well, you, you, people. You, is, you fill for the next few seconds, and I'll cue it up on YouTube. All right. Well, talk I, about I, the I weather. Sure talk about the weather or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the weather this summer. It's been atrocious. And then the, the fact that the weather people are still getting paid for their predictions is pretty crazy. Although they do have a very difficult job. You know, I would say it's very difficult to predict the weather around here. However, one thing is I, that I want to know. All right, I got it. I got it. Is, you can right, stop filming. Right. You can stop filming. Can you hear it? Yeah. No, I can't hear it. Maybe the people can hear it, but I can't. So, that was great, though. Thanks. Well, anyway, it'll probably come through on the radio. Got it now? Yeah, that's it. That's it. But you got to start it from the beginning. All right, I had it. Beginning is now. Here we go. Here we go. I'm sorry. Yeah. Here we go. Now batting for the Phillies. What number would you wear? 99? Yeah. Ah, you I don't know. That's a great question. Uh, you can't wear number 20. The, 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 the gods in Philadelphia sports. The gods in Philadelphia sports only wear the number 20, my friend. So I don't know. Maybe 30. Maybe 30? Oh, the number 30. All right. Well, I'm gonna take us out with uh, right. with some more tunes, well my friend. All right. Well, I love it. Not I those love it. Tunes. Great job tonight, out of you. I yeah, you know, I'm working on the fly the here, man. I got two mouses, dose mouses, mice. I got mice going. Click, 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 click and clack. How about a little most deaf? Mathematics. Great song, out. All right, brotherly love podcast. Signing off, Johnny Meter. You're my boy, Blue. Got it. Till next Thanks time. Listen, go birds, go Phil. Stay in that pennant race, pennant race, pennant race. Till next time, we'll see. You. Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com.